Amen. Let us stand up for the scripture reading this morning. The scripture reading is taken from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, from verses 42 to 47. I read from the King James translation. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had one thing, all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them all to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. May the Lord bless his word in our heart this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. I'm going to do that. Well, good morning. There we go. As was said earlier, there are a few of us that are, uh, are camping this weekend as we have uh, annual church camp out every, uh, every year during the summertime, and uh, just grateful time to be out there with them. They've gotten a little drenched, I think, um, as many of us have through these days, so um, it has been good to be out with them. We were able to celebrate a couple of things yesterday. Not just a baptism, uh, and uh, uh, our brother Adinka was baptized yesterday, but also uh, a dedication of uh, Madeline Grace Palmatier, which was just a beautiful setting as the sun was, as always does, it sets kind of behind the lake, makes hard for some pictures, but just a beautiful setting and just a wonderful time of celebration with family and uh, having them. Munde, thank you for reading for us this morning. It's great to have you read for us. A couple of things I want to bring to your attention before we get into the message. One, you've already seen, if you get our email, our weekly uh, email that goes out, uh, we are going to have for you as a resource this book called Bless. And I uh, happened to uh, have a conversation with somebody who was coming through the door this morning and said, hey, I've already done a little bit of research on that book, and it sounds solid. Uh, maybe that's not the exact words, but it's close. And I'm like, yeah, it's very practical. It's, it's putting to, putting to uh, uh, practice what we've been talking about in hospitality in some various ways. And so we're excited. I'm excited to be able to give this uh, to you or make it, a, make it available to you as a resource and uh, to see you start to practice it. You know, it's just an awesome opportunity. As was encouraged uh, earlier, uh, I want you to go ahead, if you have not started to fill out a Connect card, you're going to need to do that because the response to the message we'll be using this, this morning, and whether you're online or in person, uh, please, uh, please go ahead and, and start to fill that out so that we have your information on the front and then you can respond as, as we talk about it in the back, on the back side of it. Well... One of the greatest opportunities that we have with the all-church campout is this, is to put into practice in a short period of time what we're going to talk about in this next little bit. 
It's really kind of interesting. You think about having sharing everything in common and being in close proximity uh, in a short period of time, we have this wonderful opportunity to strip away what many of us have, have uh, long built up in us and around us. And it doesn't come away in a weekend, I'll tell you that. But uh, we are independent individuals who uh, you know, are self-sufficient. Um, we don't have uh, a desire to have need of others. I mean, even inside the church, we really are pretty self-sufficient. And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm, I'm the greatest of the offenders on this one. But the church, from its, from its origin, started as a, a place where hospitality was a core value in order to distribute the, the beauty, uh, some of the gifts and talents that, that are found inside the church. Well, long before these moments, I was sitting in a seat on a Sunday evening. I had just graduated, um, and a friend of my mom's was doing a presentation on a volunteer and service abroad trip. It's called Visa Inside the Free Methodist Church, that he was going to be leading to Mexico. I I can't remember uh, what was said at all. All I remember is some, some pictures and kind of this kind of burning in my heart to kind of like, hey, this, is, this sounds good. And I verbalized that, I, probably to my mom and dad, I don't remember. And before I knew it, I was, um, I was sitting in Chuck's living room waiting for some other people to arrive. Now, it didn't happen this quick, but, you know, in your mind's eye. But I was sitting in, in his living room waiting for other people's, people to join us, bags packed, and we were hopping in a truck with a trailer behind it and driving all the way through the states to get to Mexico, and uh, just crazy, right? So we drove all the way there, crossed the border, which is always a fun uh, experience to do that, onto our location in Chavez. Um, Some of the people uh, had campers, which they pulled so that they could pull onto the compound of the church we were building, and they stayed in the campers. But in my estimation, they missed out on something pretty good, uh, pretty rich, and um, definitely um, challenging. And that was this, to be able to stay with a family from the church in their home. Now, their homes aren't like ours, uh, at least in this area, they weren't, they're not like ours. They were, uh, it was more probably on the kind of the idea we get when Jesus says, uh, you know, I go prepare a place for you, or, you know, we have this idea of, uh, the bridegroom making a home on, on, next to the family home. It was kind of like that. So we had these homes that were connected in a central courtyard. Um, I don't speak Spanish, at least fluently, and we were grateful to have a translator amongst us who did. And so three of us uh, stayed there. Now, it, it's not like they had spare rooms uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They cleared their living room out, threw three cots in it, and let us stay in their home. It was just incredible. Now, the, the courtyard, um, it, was, it was dirt. Uh, I, that was where the, uh, the, the, the bathroom, the restroom was. And there was a shower with some hanging electrical cords out of it. I don't know, you know, and a bucket and a scooper. And then there was this pig. All I remember is their pig. Every, every house had a pig, right? But what I remember is that I, I still can kind of 
uh, kind of smell the uh, frioles that were on the beans uh, that were on the stove, and they were always on the stove because that was kind of a central staple, right? And all of this, but more than that was this idea of sharing, right? So while we worked at building the church, when we came back, there were there were more people than I could count, and they all wanted to know how our families were. I mean, it was just kind of this constant interaction, constant sharing, and really big challenge for somebody who, uh, you know, uh, my, old, my brother is six and a half years older. I've always had my own room. All of these things, right? You just start to go, whoa, wait a second. This is kind of mind-blowing. Not that, I, you know, not that I did enjoy it, but it starts to burst your bubble of the independence. But the need for interdependence in life and doing life and not having everything. I remember we sat out front uh, of the home with an older gentleman and uh, a friend of ours who was the translator. Uh, We began to all talk to him and just talk about various things, about the U.S., about politics, and just sharing uh, how he viewed life and where we viewed life. Again, just one of those things that reminds us that, you know, my view of the world, my way of eating, my way of doing things isn't the only way. It's not the right way. It's not even the wrong way. There's just multiple ways. And we have this wonderful place when we share things in common, right? When we, when we go away for an all-church camp out and we share things in common or we go to a camp for a week and Many of us have done that, and they're great experiences. We share everything in common, right? If somebody needs something, we share a Band-Aid. We share those things. I mean, whatever it may be. So as we continue this series on the table, one of the greatest parts of the table is not just the stranger that's at the table, or the neighbor, as we would say, but family. But family. What we... We have and we eat at the table with family. And so it's, well, the, the root of hospitality, as we've already said, has uh, the definition of love, love of a stranger or love of the neighbor that we may not know so well. But it also has in it, and we can see this littered throughout the New and Old Testament, but really in the New Testament, this idea of sharing in common, that what I have is not what I, it's not mine. It's ours. It's all of ours together. It's beautiful to have uh, Thad and Nikki with us and reminded us that, that there's, a, there's both and. In fact, the story, and if you did not hear it, I encourage you to go back because Thaddeus brought some, some clarifying aspects of hospitality and some ways of uh, just leading out of it that are just really good. But what he reminded us of is that while maybe Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were, uh, did not know Jesus initially, they became to know Jesus, and their house became kind of the headquarters of, for Jesus in his ministry in those days. And so we have this idea of both and, even inside their story. It's that this invitation of others that we may not know so well, but it's also the invitation of those and being hospitable to those we do know. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. One that I think we would do well to spend time uh, walking through, considering how we live this out. 
N.T. Wright, uh, before we get into the passage, as I was doing, re- uh, doing the research for this passage of Scripture, once again, I love this passage, one of my favorite passages of Scriptures, but he said this, or he says this in one of his books, Acts 2.42 is often regarded as laying down the four marks of the church. The apostles' teaching, the common life of those who believed, the breaking of bread and the prayers. These four go together. You can't separate them or leave one out without damage to the whole thing. Now, wait a second. Before you move on, did you hear that? I believe that. I believe that to my core. And it'll come out as we go. I really do believe that. Where no attention is given to teaching and to constant lifelong and to, and to constant lifelong Christian learning, people quickly revert to the worldview or mindset of, surrounding, of the surrounding culture and end up with their mind shaped by whichever social pressures are most pervasive, with Jesus somewhere around as a pale influence or a memory. Wow. Think about that. Just think about where you've been this last week. Think about the things that have influenced your thought. Is it been coming from a framework of your friends who follow and love Jesus and are keeping you accountable to that and the word of God by the power of the spirit? Or is it, eh, when I read the paper, what I see? Huh. Where people ignore the common life of the Christian family, they become isolated and often find it difficult to sustain a living faith. Where people no longer share regularly in the breaking of bread, they are failing to raise the flag which says Jesus' death and resurrection are the center of everything. He's English, by the way, if you're wondering. And wherever people do all these things but neglect prayer, they are quite simply forgetting that Christians are supposed to be heaven and earth people. Prayer makes no sense whatever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together and we can share in that already. I just, I just found that so powerful. Like, whoa, wait a second. And we do believe. I, I, don't, I don't think it almost matters what uh, denomination, Protestant or Catholic, if that don't believe in these core four in some way, shape, or fashion, they, that they live them out. And they're powerful. They are powerful in the way they look and the way they exist. It's interesting. Let's tackle the passage now. That's interesting. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The four core, what we just talked about. But I want us to ask the question, who are they? Who are they? Right? So if we're, if we're entertaining this idea of the table and hospitality, and we've said, well, we just think hospitality, its core is this uh, love of a stranger. But who are they? Who are they? Now, if you remember a little bit, uh, Munde and I had a conversation before. He said he was reading through the whole chapter of Acts 2 in order to get the context into his system so that as he read that section for us, he can understand it better. And that's exactly true. We need to understand the context to understand the text that we're looking at. And the context is this. They had just experienced, they, the disciples and others, had watched 
the fall of the spirit of the living God on them in a powerful way, just a powerful way. And Peter, out of that, stands up and begins to preach not a soft sermon by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, those who are listening, he points his fingers at and says, you are the ones, well, you are the ones that caused Jesus to die. You're the ones that cheered for him to die. They are so cut to the heart at the end of his sermon, they, somebody, raised, somebody in the front raises their hand and said, so what do we do now, Peter? I mean, what if we believe? And he said, he said, repent and be baptized. Repent in the way you think, in the way you live, and what you do, and be baptized into a new way of living, into a new fellowship with new friends and a new mindset, a new way of doing life. Be baptized. And here we are. At, this is where we're at in this passage. He said, and then it says, they gathered together, right? They gathered together and did the four cores. It is incredible. Now, what you, what we can see here is that they, they devoted themselves. In fact, yeah, there it is. There's the passage. One of my pages went blank on me up here. Brothers, what shall we do? Isn't that great? Hey, so it's not out of line. I'll just tell you right now, if some of you get to the end and go, hey, what do we need to do? You just raise your hand if I don't go there. You know, just raise your hand because we'd love to take you there, right? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I think I need to go on to the next slide. That'll help me. Yeah, there we go. So they devoted themselves uh, to this. This idea of devoting themselves to this teaching is to persist obstinately. Have you ever put those two words together? To persist obstinately with just, just this desire to keep this way of life moving along. This is why here... We have used through our group life, through our small groups, we have said that circles are better than rows. That circles are better than rows. While we are together to celebrate Jesus together, corporately in temple, if you will, if you're correlating to what's happening in the in Acts, we gather, but then they met house to house. Why? To pursue the four cores of what the church is about. To, to do that, it was not, it was everybody involved. And so, as what has been said, circles are better than rows are true. This is a, a move to where hospitality is lived out generously in love. One can't live it out from here. We can inspire you to do things, maybe you even make decisions to do them, but oftentimes what happens when you leave this place, it's often, it dissipates. It moves, and you need to have others who are around you. This last week when we were meeting in our Tuesday morning men's group, uh, there was an individual who said, you know, this is, this is an incredible group. Just to be able to come and to share what's on my heart and to have other people hear it and to pray for me, to, to be seen and to be heard in order to allow the Lord to speak into it. And I would have to agree. That's why circles are better than rows. While rows are good and they have their place potentially, circles are far better. 
Verse 43, 43 says this, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give everyone who had need. Common to their life were these things called wonders and signs. I think that there are two reasons why these are a part of their life. One, for their absolute trust in the one who was raised from the dead. Their absolute trust in God who would send Jesus (laughs) to save them. And then subsequently, because of his resurrection, the empty grave, to empower them. And then the practice of hospitality, which contained those core elements that we just talked about and we just read about. Let's take a, a few moments and take a look at these. Everyone who raised their hand to follow and be baptized trusted in the saving power of Jesus for them. Right? Yes? We would agree that, right? They didn't trust in Peter, right? They trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone that his salvation would be good enough, far better than what they would ever imagine, and that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. This is necessary to live the life Jesus invites us in, to live with him and in him. Secondly, I think they had signs and wonders for this. When you are with brothers and sisters in Christ, who trust Jesus with their lives. Look to his word for how to live and spend time telling stories of the life that they're living in Jesus and breaking bread and then seal it in the realm of heaven with prayer. There can't be anything but signs and wonders amongst them. There can't be anything. Have you been there? Have you, have you ever been in those places and spaces with others and you realize, whoa, this is a sacred moment. This is far greater than I ever anticipated. Yep, I, I put out all of the things that need to be there, but it's, there's something at, at work here that's greater. I had one of those this last week. I met with a couple of our seniors who um, they're not able to get out. And it caught me by surprise. It seriously that we shared in communion and I was, I was moved to tears by the power of the spirit of the living God in that place and space. And I was like, oh. I mean, those things you don't write off. But you have to, you have to, you have to move toward them, right? You have to create those spaces. You have to, oh, yeah, I'm gonna pray about this. We're gonna stay in the word. I believe it's this. This is delivered in the everyday commonplace of living with each other and for Jesus inside this container of hospitality. It's in the everyday commonplace of living with each other and for Jesus in this container in hospitality. When you make it a point to be at group every week, you commit to that and you go, you know, last week wasn't, it didn't register on the meter, right? But I'm going to continue to go because I know this is not only for me, but it's for others. And make that commitment. When you make that commitment to gather Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, 
There's something precious about it that inside that container of hospitality, that inside that welcoming, inside that invitation by God himself, that all of a sudden something is contained. There's something that happens in those moments, doesn't it? Kathy and I came across, and I think I've shared this before, we came across somebody who said, uh, we often overthink how much we're going to get out of one service and forget how, many, how much we get out of a thousand repeated opportunities that we put ourselves before the Lord. And it's inside of that that we get to celebrate hospitality of Jesus himself through his people. Can you imagine living in this kind of a, a place? I mean, how, how does Luke know that they had everything in common? So Luke wasn't there. Maybe you didn't know that, but Luke wasn't there when all of this was happening. How did he know? We know, right? Stories are told. I mean, he was asking too, but stories are told. We had everything in common. There was the power of the Spirit, the apostles' teaching, which was, by, by the way, was Jesus' words. They were just repeating them and reinforcing them and living them out. And guess what? We were breaking bread together. We were having communion on a regular basis and everybody was being taken care of in in such a powerful way. Can you imagine that? The gathering of people as they viewed it, as they had it, as they enjoyed it. Not the way that we live it in our ways. Verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of just a few people. Oh, you good. You caught it. All people, right? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They continued to meet together. Can you imagine? Just... Hey, who's, who's that? I don't know. And they walk over and they go, hey, my name's, my name's Steve, what's yours? Right? And then they start a conversation. And, hey, what, how'd you come? Well, Bob, I work with him at the post office and he invited me to come down. Right? I mean, all of this stuff has started to happen and they, they become included in what's happening around them. What's the, what would be the draw for somebody on your street, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, wherever you have hobbies to draw close to you? Again, it doesn't have to be in your home. Hospitality is just this divine welcome to gather together, to invite people into the kingdom and and to experience Jesus. It might be beans that are always on the stove. Might not be our way of doing it, but it, it is some other places where the breaking of bread is done gladly. The praising of the Lord is spoken commonly. Commonly, that it's become a part of our language. It's not, it's not a holy roller way of thinking, but it's, you know, Jesus, it was amazing. Jesus just met us in this place, right? We become, it becomes a commonplace to our language where other people are invited into it and they realize, oh, wait a second, if you get close to, if you get close to Kathy, you'll know. She's gonna say, Lord, Lord's been good, let me tell you, right? 
enjoying the favor of all people, even those who don't believe the same way we do. I think that's included in this. So let me ask this question. The places that you've joined, the gym, the hobbies that you do, do you believe everything that everybody else believes in those circles that you hang with? Probably not, if you've had those kind of conversations. You probably don't. Yet somewhere along the line in our, our development as followers of Jesus, we have maybe, maybe have adopted this idea that people need to believe like me before I can hang with them completely. Yet I don't see that in Scripture. What I see is that belonging is the key to believing. Belonging is the key to believing. Now, granted, in this passage in Acts 2, Everybody said, hey, what do we need to do because we believe, right? But if you look at the stories of Jesus, which is what my eye has in mind right now, what you see is that he hangs with people who don't believe as he believes. And yet he can still eat with them. He can still converse with them. He can still bring the kingdom to bear because many of them were transformed because of his gentleness, because of his kindness, because of his grace, mercy, and don't forget this truth. I think belonging is key. We all want to know that we're valued. We all want to know that we're loved. We all want to know that we're cared for as we are. It's transformative. It was for you as it was for me. A few weeks ago, as many of you may know, and if you don't know, I had the privilege and honor to give my daughter's hand in marriage to a fine Jesus-following young man. He belonged long before he really, if you will, believed in the Gly way, as if he will, right? But you know what I'm saying. You get it, right? He belonged to us, and he, he accepted us, right, as we were. I remember wrestling with the Bible, with Jesus and the church, and I remember youth pastors coming around me as I kind of pushed away, strong-armed them a little bit, wrestled with whether it was true, whether it was valuable, whether it was going to, you know, all of those things. But they kept saying, hey, come on, join us. Join us. Their fellowship, literally their fellowship, eating and breaking of bread and prayer long before I believed and was added to their number was so crucial to my belonging and believing. It's central to the life of the kingdom is essential to the life of the kingdom is eating and drinking together with other followers of Jesus as a family too. I mean just incorporating those around us. It's something that we have, we have kind of stopped doing a little bit. We've stopped making it a part of our practice. We've put it on, can I just say this? We've sometimes put it on the church to create the connections so that we eat with family. We spend time with them. We converse with them instead of making a, a practice of what we do and we, as, a, as, a, 
as a way to build community, as a way to actually be a light to the world around us. See, eating with family, if you will, eating and drinking with family, the hospitality is a light to the world. It's an opportunity to pull ourselves together and just enjoy one another. So what do we do if we truly believe that Jesus has called us to this this rhythm of hospitality, the practice of hospitality, not just with those who uh, are not yet, those who are our neighbors, those who we desire to see come to Jesus, but with family. What do we do practically? As I said, the Connect card is going to come in handy in this moment. I think one of the things that we do is that we first have to connect with, to Jesus' family. And I'm not talking simply about believing, but we, if we're a guest this morning or we have friends or family members who have kind of said, hey, I have interest, they're like, look, hey, there's no, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no part of believing that has to be a part of it. Just kind of join us. Now, let me ask you this. When you go to the doctor, do you understand how all the medicines work and all the machines work? We don't. We don't believe every, I mean, in terms of believe or understand, we don't understand everything, but we do entrust to ourselves, to that, that family of doctors and that family of medicine to bring about a greater good. And it's the same way with our friends. We need to commit, we need to connect with family. When I fly in an airplane, there's a certain level of trust based on what I have seen and experienced and what people have told me to be able to get on the plane and fly. But I don't, I don't believe or understand everything that's happening. It's the same way with if you're, like I said, if you're a guest online or a person today, let me in- encourage you to commit to joining us in some of the things we do, not just in a gathering on Sunday, but in a group, small group, or some of our opportunities to do service projects, you get to know the family, you get to eat with them, you share in their hospitality. For those of us who are part of the family, what are we to do? What is it that we can do? I think we need to commit to a group or to a band, as Pastor Melanie has talked about that we commit ourselves to other believers who are, we eat with, we break bread with, we study the word with, and we grow with. On the back of your connect card is a place for you to do that. So if you have that, you can check that and say, you know, I'm, I'm interested in a group. Uh, to, not too distant future, we will we'll be inviting you into opportunities this fall to participate in a group, to commit yourself to that aspect of growth in Jesus, yet it doesn't have to be that formal to take effect. It just needs to be a part of our life. For some of us, we, we don't need to commit to a group. We need to facilitate one because the Lord has already kind of been doing a rustling in our hearts and our lives so that we can eat and drink with family. We can encourage one another in the faith so you need, might need to check it and say, I want to facilitate a group this fall. I want to help other people grow in hospitality, but grow in Jesus. And that may be your next step. Ultimately, we're called 
to hang with one another. Uh, Scripture makes it clear that once we say yes to Jesus, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're here to encourage one another in the journey with him. Hospitality is one of those containers of which the first church, Acts 2, following, just read it, that they were encouraged to continue to grow and expand over and over again, to invite not only those that are family, but those who are outside. But as the family meets, there becomes this robustness to it, the practicing of life, the idea of practicing love in all of its forms, truth, grace, love, mercy, repentance, forgiveness. Oh, yeah. How many of you have sat at a table with your own family and had to say, you know, I'm, forgive me. I overstepped my bounds. I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have said that. Those are the very things that the world is kind of going, do they really practice this stuff? That we can step into and, and live a more robust life because hospitality invites us to be changed. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you I thank you that you call us into, you call us to the table. You call us to a table where your grace, mercy, love, forgiveness is available. Where life is available. I think 3,000 people raised their hand. said, Peter, how do we do this? He says, repent, be baptized, and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then following, they're, they're praying, they're breaking bread, they're praising the Lord, they're applying the teaching that your son left. Father, may we follow in those same footsteps. May we be people who extend hospitality, be hospitable to our family so that, Father, the reflection of your goodness can be reflected to the world around us. And by interest and invitation, they join with us. Father, we're grateful your goodness to us. Lord, continue to bless us. Continue to allow us to live at the table with you, with one another, and with others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.